Salutations, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 18 of the Dream Team Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jake Schultz, on this gorgeous Wednesday afternoon. We're getting fall feather. Fall feather? Fall weather. Oh my god, I'm already slurring my words. Good god. On my left, as always, Mr. Zolfi Shake. What's up, what's up? In the middle, Spencer Kloss. Hello. And to the right, Dan Ramos. What's up? Salutations. How are you? Salutations. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to skip by that. Salutations. <laughs> Where did that come from? What's wrong with yeah. it? Doesn't Spock say that? I think it is a Star Trek. Spock says live long and prosper. Yeah, I think he you also watch says Andrew salutations. Andrew Kirchhoff on YouTube? No. He does NFL fantasy stuff, so I thought maybe he always says that. Uh, so, yeah. Great start to the pod, guys. You know where you should get some actual NFL content? Red Zone Rewind. Almost said recap. I almost said it. Red Zone Rewind. If okay. you like me and Zolfi. How many more strikes does Jake get before one of us just starts doing the intro? <laughs> I think we have to t- put a jar in the yeah, middle. I'm going to need five bucks for setting you up for that promo, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten better at slurring, okay? More recently, I've been like re-listening to a lot of it. Don't you make got, that face. You've gotten better at doing what now? Saying slurs? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the slurs Jake, have gone stronger. Come on. I've been better at not slurring my words. Okay, just clarifying. <laughs> slur words, however. I mean, both can be true. Have right, you gotten better we're at slurring? putting the jar in the middle every time Jake says a slur. <laughs> All right, what, what a pod. A, what a great start to the pod. We got an action-packed podcast for you guys here today. We have a little guest joining us on later on the podcast, Mr. Arash Madani from Sportsnet, who was, you could see, all on your TV screens covering up the entire FIBA World Cup for Canada. Made it all the way to the very end, and he will be joining us just a little bit later. But for now, we have to do our recap of FIBA because we have not talked about it yet since it is done. Officially, we got our Canada-USA matchup. It was not for gold. It was for for bronze. That's the one. There you go. However, oh, Canada. <laughs> what a game. Canada has officially podiumed and got bronze medal over the United States. You heard that right. The United States did not medal. And Canada, with their first ever medal at the FIBA World Cup, as Dylan Brooks carried Canada to their first win with 39 points. Damn. Crazy. believe that's the most in a medal game ever in FIBA? What a redemption arc. medal game, I think all time he's like second. Yeah, for, like for, for like a medal game, he's that. definitely high up there now. What a redemption for Dylan Brooks. And I want to start there because there's a lot to talk about with this game in general. And we'll get to the gold medal one in a little bit. But Canada obviously losing in the semifinals. We all predicted Canada would be going to the finals. Did not happen that way. It is what it is. I think the main story of this is now there's some fire lit underneath the United States, the fact that they're literally opening the portals Avengers style to call up on every single person. LeBron James apparently has committed to playing for that team. And you're going to see Kevin Durant probably there along with Steph Curry. Whatever. That is what it is. It's pretty hilarious that the United States lost and the cathartic feeling I felt watching that game. It was amazing. But the real story here, regardless of what the medal was for Canada, is just the fact that this team has set up a future for Canadian basketball and watching these young players shine and make a name for themselves on an international stage. And my highlight, Dylan Brooks. Like I said, I've gone a complete 180 on this man. I love him now. He Worth is the my, contract? He is my goat. Yeah, I don't care about the contract. I think he's matured Especially so much. Like Houston. 
I mean, who cares he, about the contract? He's, he's worth, it's not even that big of a contract. He's worth it. Yeah, I agree. He's a leader. He's a leader, and he showed it. He was mm-hmm. completely poised out there the entire time. And when he was being feisty and fiery, he was doing it in the right ways. He was something this team Canada needed. Obviously, Canada has that stereotype where the guys who say sorry all the time, we're like nice people. But he added a bit of energy, enthusiasm, and honestly, some like some grit to this team that they needed. He was that enforcer. He was that bad guy. You saw him with the boxing gloves after he got ejected. If he doesn't get ejected, he's obviously contributing to that team. But in some ways, it kind of helped him as well because everyone knew they needed to step up without him there, especially when uh, Slovenia was making that comeback in the quarterfinal game, I think it was. So I think he just cemented himself, one, on this Team Canada roster and what he means to this national team. But also, he got a lot of respect back from people around the NBA and the league. Again, people were talking like this guy was going to be out of the NBA, which I think we all agreed was ridiculous from the, from the yeah. jump. But now, I'm going to be, I'm really curious, how does this translate to the NBA? In FIBA competition, on catch-and-shoot threes, this guy, I don't think, barely missed. You know what I mean? So He had one of the most efficient runs yeah. ever. It was 70 per per, 72% true shooting. Yeah, 39 oh, points whole, in a medal game. Tournament. Oh, wow. Yeah, 39 points in a medal game is ridiculous. But, like, again, the line's shorter. The spacing is different. So how yeah. does this translate into NBA? We don't know. I'm excited to see if it will translate. But regardless of if that happens or not, what he did for this Team Canada, obviously Shea is Shea, and we can talk about that and what they have going on. But Dylan Brooks, I think, was the unsung. Well, not the unsung hero. I think we all gave him the credit now. But he was the X Factor. Yeah, I want I want to use my mic time to shout out Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. Um, he's been through all the worst years Team Canada had, some very terrible teams that he always showed up to. So I want to I think Kelly Olynyk deserves a medal, and I'm very happy for him. Just want to say that. Yeah, I just I think Shea, obviously shout out Dylan Brooks, amazing seven for eight from three, thirty nine points, and Dolphia did. Uh, uh, look it up. It it is the most in a medal game ever. Uh, yeah. So the thing I saw was just in general. I think somebody got like forty points or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out those two guys. I think and obviously Kelly Olynyk and just like the whole team, man. Everyone played their role. Very happy with them. Um, I just like I think Shea though. Everyone like knows how good he is and like how well he played. I just really think this World Cup was just like last season. You know top five in MVP voting for its team, all NBA. Like that was not a fluke. He is that guy. Yep. And this tournament, I think it proved it. I think it showed it. And I think he comes into next season saying to OKC, like, I'm not here to play. Like this is the real thing, so let's like let's get it started. That's that's my takeaway from this tournament, honestly. He, he proved he's the real deal. Like not even just like in the NBA perspective. Like it's not like oh Shea's just gonna go against NBA teams and some nights when he's facing a really bad defense he can be good. No, he took it to Team USA that had all world defenders on that team. He took it to like teams like Serbia that were great as a co- collective and as a unit. And he showed that he can score on anybody one on one. Nobody can really guard him. He can get open. I'm almost positive. I don't even have to look this up that he shot the most free throws in this tournament because. He was just oh, constantly yeah. oh, getting yeah. to the line because he's so smart, so savvy at getting contact. And I think you're all right, Dan. That like he just cemented what we were already seeing from the NBA mm-hmm. season, and now it's like Canada has a bona fide like top ten NBA player. Yeah, and maybe two top twenty guys if you count Jamal Murray in there. I know some power rankings have him in the top twenty. So like they're coming, and this team's only going to get better, which is exciting. He was going at their best player too, Mikael Bridges. He yeah. was consistently going at him. He snatched his ankles from him at yeah. one point. Mikael Bridges. 
Did not look great in that final. He had no, that I shot. Thought he was, I thought he was one of their better yeah. players. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he looked great. The final shot was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I thought that Jared whole Jackson sequence. Junior looked horrible. Well, yeah, yeah, that he that was really disappointing. He might not even be on the roster next year. I don't if, think he's gonna be. It just depends who shows up. I think if I they're think building the, the Avengers, then maybe. I think everyone's not. showing up next year. I think this is just gonna light the fire under everyone's asses in the U.S. Be like, no, you're coming. You're coming whether you like it or not. You're gonna grab <laughs> Steph Curry with like a net. What fire though? This is so stupid to me. Like, but this is this, what the narrative that the media is building. So yeah. Like, bad. The team USA. This is like uh, Trey Kirby. He he's a guy with the No Dunks like podcast. He tweeted this. This is how it goes for Team USA. You don't prioritize the World Cup. You send second tier players to the World Cup. Fail the meta World Cup. Top tier players want to reestablish Team USA at the Olympics. Win Olympics. Then you don't prioritize the World Cup. <laughs> and it's just a cycle. It's the same stuff. Like this is time. what the Redeem team was. The Redeem team came back. They won at the Olympics. You brought in Kobe to help them figure this stuff out and everything with those guys. They won. And what happened a couple years later? They just stopped caring. Like, at the end of the day, the main thing that's changed is now when you send a B or C team, you're just not going to run away with this tournament if you're Team USA. The yeah. other teams have gotten too good. So, yes, if you get the Avengers out there and you guys win, whoop de freaking do You're supposed to win. You're going to have literally players who are exponentially better than everyone else. Like, I don't, like, I, I don't understand the bravado that's coming where team, like, I saw, like, Gilbert Arenas being like, oh, you guys woke up the king. The king's coming now. Watch out. <laughs> First of all, Gilbert, you're a grown-ass man. Stop calling another man king. What are you doing? <laughs> Second of all, like, if you get this team and you come and you show out, you did what you're supposed to do, Team USA. No one, like, honestly, no one should be impressed if Team USA wins the Olympics with all these guys there. Like, literally, you guys have the best of the best. If you show up with this B team and you win, genuinely impressive. But if you have all these guys there, like, if all those guys were there at the World Cup, you guys probably would would have won. Is that a shock? No. So what are we talking about here? Why is people? Why are people hyping up this Team USA return like it's something fantastic? It's just not. It's corny. They also like. Clip that. Like LeBron couldn't like wait like you know like five minutes till yeah. after gold like it's like instantly one goal. It's, all right, guys, I'm committed to winning the <laughs> it's goal. It's so like corny. bro, give them their time. Like it doesn't always have to be about and you, man. <laughs> like, I honestly call him cap. I give I give LeBron like a 50-50 chance of playing. He said this after the dunk contest when Dwight Howard dunked on like a twelve foot net. He's like, oh, I'm in a dunk contest next year. Still <laughs> never done it. LeBron just is great at controlling a narrative. Le he wants to hype this up. Yeah, like the pathological liar. Yeah, cap, bro. Like I, he probably will play, but you're talking about forty year old who doesn't need to put extra miles on his legs, and he's trying to win a championship. So again, I give it a fifty fifty shot. But this this whole Team USA thing, hyping it up, the B and C team, like you guys sent these dudes out there. So like this is on you. This is on your best players. We just didn't want to play. Jimmy Butler literally I says, "I don't that, yeah. care about the World Cup." And what are you gonna do? You're gonna care about the Olympics, and then what's gonna happen? You're not gonna care about the World Cup again because you established you guys are the best in the world. No freaking duh. Wow. <laughs> Are you okay? Hell yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> It's just stupid to me. It I is. needed to get that off my chest. Like, you guys aren't making, like, no one's making a grand statement by saying Team USA is going to win if they bring everyone. It's just the narrative that online is making. Yeah, it's dumb. It is dumb. I don't disagree with you. You're underdogs so bad. It's like, you're not an you underdog. You can't be the underdogs yeah, if you're not. the best players in the world. You should have zero chip on your shoulder if you're Team USA. Like, there's nothing to, like, feel, like, disadvantaged about. Literally. Now, now if Canada comes into the Olympics next year and beats them, and they don't even podium, then we'll talk. Because then that would be... There's no way they don't podium. I, that would hey. be insane. If it happens, hey, it basically just it. means the rest of the world's caught up, which we kind of all think is happening. I also want that it's to close. happen. It's close. Yeah, I don't know if it's there yet, but it's getting there. That's what I mean. It's not there yet in yeah. our minds because if again, if everyone on Team USA plays, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's but not also there like your B and C team lost, and you and like you just need to understand they lost to not full squads either. 
A lot of these yes. teams were missing yeah. tons of players. Like Giannis didn't play. You had Wemby not playing. You yeah, had Jokic Nikola Jokic play. not play. And Jamal they... Murray. Even Team Germany that won had players who weren't there who were probably going to be there for the Olympics. Like Isaiah Hardenstein, Maxi Kleber, a bunch of other guys. So like none of these teams were completely 100% either. And you guys still lost. So that's I get it's a wake-up call and you guys want to show up. But like, okay, that doesn't really prove anything. Yeah, Canada missing Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins and other guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Other people were missing people too. So, does yeah, Andrew, like, I don't know. Does Andrew Wiggins show up for the Olympics? Or do they, well, he, he, he said he won't. Do, they, do they let him? Yeah, of course they do. I, I don't believe them when no. they say the, the whole, like, I don't believe them. Well, they There's can no, now because they're, 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 they're a winning, serious team and they're not going to give that up yeah. because yeah. of the commitment. And There's no yeah. way that you can just be like, oh, uh, sorry, Jamal Murray, you didn't commit. You can't come. Like, no, the three-year commitment so was a part of the Nick Nurse regime as well. Yeah. So was they it? said that uh, that's no longer a thing. That oh, was just okay. what Nick Nurse... I think they'd still ideally want the whole World Cup Olympics like commitment, but again, like, yeah. if you were trying to win a medal at the Olympics, you're going to take Andrew Wiggins on this team. He's too yeah. good of an all-around player not to have. 100%. Yeah, Nick Nurse didn't even commit, so... <laughs> Damn, that's tough. Literally, at the helm. I need you guys to commit, but not me. Don't that's listen to me. <laughs> what do we think about World Cup MVP Dennis Schroeder? getting the job oh, done baby. for Germany. I think similar to the question about Dylan Brooks, can this translate to the NBA? I don't know, man. It makes me excited. It gets yeah, 100%. Super excited. Did he walk his way into a – not walk his way. Did he get the starting role? With I was going to ask this? that. I think we have to ask our guest, Arash Madani, when he comes on what he well, thinks. We all know where I stand on that yeah. point. He's, I think he's starting, but we could I've ask been saying, yeah. like, When we first talked about this team like in the offseason and we talked about a starting lineup – and I said it, like, I think he has to start just for the shooting. And you saw how good of a shooter he is. Like, this whole, I, I'm not a believer of this whole Scotty Barnes at point guard. I know we can have a conversation of that closer to the season. But, like, it was already a question. And I think because of the lack of depth on this team, he needed to start. And now I think it, like, it adds so much uh, feel to that fire where, like, he just looks so good out there. How do you not start this guy? I know. I'm going to backpedal because I was saying that you have to ease him into it because you can't just, like, inter- like you know, for in terms of like keeping the other players happy and blah blah blah. Yeah, I don't I, I think he has to start now after this. He won MVP of the FIBA World Cup tournament and gold. You Throw can't, him into the fire. Yeah, you can't not yeah. start him. And he also loves Darko. Like yeah. they've talked so much about the rela- he literally said the reason he came to the Raptors is because of Darko. Yeah, he had the like, interview on the jump he was talking about. Yeah, it. exactly. That's the one and, and he said it's because of Darko. It didn't mention anything about the Raptors organization, didn't mention anything about the players. He just said I love Darko. I loved working with him. I don't think there's any way that he doesn't start anymore. And Darko supposedly reached out to him when he saw that uh, Dennis was a free agent, being like, yo, I want you to come here. So Darko wanted him here, so clearly he's part of the game plan, and he's going to be like planning to coach for him, setting things up for him. So it's going to be an exciting pairing. And Dennis is also a really feisty guy, which kind of similar to Canada, the Raptors just need. Dennis was beefing with Maxi Kleber before the tournament because of like playing and uh, committing to this team. He beefed with his coach, who's also Canadian, uh, which is a, a Canadian connection for the gold medal at least. But yeah, he was beefing with his coach about the way they were playing and things going on. Like he's a feisty guy. He's probably gonna fight uh, like uh, Darko Ryakovic at times on the court, but he's gonna be doing it for the right reasons. You need a guy like that sometimes, very Dylan Brooks esque in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just the right fit for this team, and they need somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Skill wise, he brings something the Raptors just need to like get the shooting, playmaking. Like, who's the other person on the on the floor that's like a guard who can shoot? Gary Trent, but he can't. Sometimes. He can't yeah. play make. He can yeah. play make for himself, that's and that's it. So, yeah. so I think Schroeder should definitely start because he just well, he, like we said in the f- previous pod, it doesn't really matter because he will be closing games. Yeah, like, he, he, definitely he brings is. something that they just need out there, like kind of a Fred Van Vee replacement, but. 
sort of a different player, but you know what I mean. Like he brings the shooting, passing, playmaking. So he's got to start. The last thing I just want to say on this real quick is like opposite of Fred Van Vliet in the clutch, Dennis Schroeder likes to look for smart shots. True. You saw the way he iced out that game in the gold medal. True. He took the ball back, kind of like calmed everyone down, just ran right to the basket. That was fast. Yeah, Fred, and that was insanely fast. Fred Van Vliet fast, is taking bro. a triple sidestep three that's probably yeah. getting blocked or hitting the side <laughs> of the backboard. All of Scotty's wide open in the corner. Pass yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, so like Fred was a great shot maker and taker at times, but he also took some really ridiculous shots, and I think 100%. Dennis will be smarter. True. Real quick before we get to our guest. Was this World Cup a smashing success for the world of basketball? Yes. 1,000%. I think so, too. Yeah. So, clean sweep there. I yeah. hope more people go and check it out. But why don't we check out our guest, Mr. Arash Madani, will be on the line in just a second. Alrighty, and we are back here on the Dream Team Podcast with a special guest straight from the Philippines after being there for a long, long FIBA World Cup. Mr. Arash Madani from Sportsnet. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I didn't know I was on with the Dream Team. Yes, you got. You're on the the very own Dream Team podcast here. Might I add? I I believe our first like actual media guest too. So you know. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, you got it, guys. You're in the Hall of Fame now, officially (laughs) number one. Something like that. This is what put you over the top. Not the FIBA World Cup. It was was this podcast. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to go before we get into some of the other questions quickly because you're obviously there for so long and there's so much delicious food around there. I want to just know what your favorite food to eat there was because, God, just thinking of the food arrangement that you could have had. Man, the best part of the food scene was Jakarta Night Market right behind our hotel, like five-minute walk. And you get like... 10 chicken skewers, like they're small. They're smaller. 10 lamb skewers were like, I don't know, seven bucks. That's so cool. Um, so, yeah, nice. it was legit. Like, it was really legit. What about in the Philippines? You got a top meal there? Um, or was it too busy? Just trying to remember. It all kind of melded together. Um, no, in the Philippines we were actually really lame. <laughs> by then we'd been by then we'd been like almost two and a half weeks in Asia, and it was like one night was like Italian food, one night was pizza, and then you're at the damn arena until like whatever eleven o'clock or midnight. Yeah. So I was gonna say, how much time, if any, did you have to really explore these countries? And have you been before? Or is this your first time in these places? No, first time. Um, the first few days in Jakarta were fine, and then literally Jakarta has the worst air quality in the world. So I lost my voice, so I mm. spent a lot of time in the hotel room just because I needed <laughs> occupational <laughs> hazard. You need your voice to broadcast. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so kind of laid low um, during the days, uh, which was fine. Um, but the first few days, it was wild. It was sensory overload in both cities. All right, fair enough. I can imagine it being a lot, especially because, like, for us, you were really the, the the voice there outside of the broadcast team, but the guy on, like, the court, on like, around them and everything like that. I guess, like, take us through that experience, what it was like being really Canada's voice for this tournament, especially such a historic run that this team went on. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was really neat because this felt like a coming of age for a program that for a generation people talked about what if. What if they all play? What if it all comes together? What if there's a summer where all the stars align? 
And then, holy shit, it actually happened. And you're having a front row seat to the entire thing that just kind of felt like it was building literally day by day, um, starting with the France win. And then, especially after the Spain win, when they clinched um, the Olympic spot, you know, that's a Sunday morning and socials kind of exploding. You're saying to yourself, all right, this is... This is really becoming a big deal. And I got to tell you, fellas, like as somebody who really likes basketball, it's one thing watching a player, a star, a superstar, like Shea Gilgis Alexander play night after night in the NBA. Okay? But then it's a different deal to do it at a world championship, at a world cup, where he is the dude where he is the guy where over and over whatever you wanted from him whatever was asked of him he delivered and so you know when you think about the face of a program i think that there was so much talk coming into this thing about who wasn't here because jamal just won an nba championship and then you leave southeast asia being like, somebody asked me who does Shea Gil like who's the comp for Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I'm being dead serious when I say this. My answer is Patrick Mahomes because hey. he is the face of a franchise. Yeah. I love and that. Can do it all. Yeah, I think you put it best when you said whatever they asked from him, he did. Whether it was needing to be the clutch guy knocking down free throws, whether it was sparking a run, obviously Dylan Brooks played a part in some of those. And I'm really glad you were there to huge get part, but, huge yeah. part. I'm glad you were there to give him his flowers when it came to that. I did I, one thing I wanted to follow up on real quick, Arash. You mentioned how like after uh, Canada clinched against Spain, like social media blew up. Obviously, it was an insane deal. And like it's one thing to see the emotions on social media. We saw a bit of the clips and the cinematics put together and whatnot. But like being there and seeing these guys, like that moment when it, it happened. Obviously, we saw a bit of the Kelly Olynyk Dwight Powell interaction. What was it like actually being there? Did it feel the same? Were the emotions even heavier? Like you obviously, like you said, a front row seat for that. So Walk me through that. It's just so hard to know, Zulfi, what emotions are like because it, it's it means so many different things to so many different people. You know, right. I, I thought Olenek, we had a chance to visit. Um, you know, after it was all done, and after he showered, and after the celebration was over, and he was really emotional because to him it means so, like it's so different. It hits him so different because he's been through this forever like he joined this thing when he was a teenager and they're going 0 and 5 and like there was never hope in sight yeah and i'm like dude you were a kid when nash and those guys were in sydney 2000 and you remember watching that and that's when it really hit him like just the body language and everything and he's like, I remember sitting in Aunt Janine's living room at four in the morning watching Nash and those guys play. And Aunt Janine passed two years ago, but Kelly wanted to shout out Aunt Janine at, wow. at the, the peak of his national team career. And so, you know, when, when you see and hear and feel stuff like that, you realize what it means to some of these people and that that's why i thought um 
that was as cool as as it ended up being. Another player that I think that this entire tournament meant a lot for is Dylan Brooks, like you mentioned, a huge part of this Team Canada team. And just more putting his name back out there on the map as a player and not necessarily Dylan Brooks, the instigator. He still had a bit of that part in him, but it was way more dialed down and you saw him take that leadership role throughout this entire tournament. I think really turned a lot of heads for basketball fans in general. What do you think about him just in general, his tournament overall? And do you think this will be able to translate over into his journey in the NBA with the Houston Rockets? Man, I left there saying to myself, Houston got themselves a bargain. Yeah. That's what we were just saying. Yeah, I think it's like, like you, you said, uh, Dylan Brooks was pivotal for this team, Arash. It was something we talked about before you hopped on. Like The shooting is one of the things we are curious about. The NBA is different, obviously spacing, different uh, three-point line and whatnot. But just like that role and kind of the persona around Dylan Brooks, I think in terms of Canadians, they obviously see it differently now. But like, how do you see it translating to the rest of the NBA? Well, I just think his image transformed a ton mm-hmm. among people in basketball because they're like, oh, man, this motherfucker's for real. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy can defend. This guy can shoot. This guy cares. Right. This guy will fight through screens. This guy will do whatever it takes to win. And then you think back to the Memphis series, and you're saying to yourself, okay, so there was no Morant. There was no Steven Adams. There was no Brandon Clark. What did you expect was going to happen <laughs> against LeBron and AD and all them boys? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, and now he goes, like, what was the line of all lines before this even started? He said, I don't need a gun to be a tough guy. Now he goes from a dude who wasn't around and won't be around to Fred Van Vliet as his, you know, as his co-pilot. I'll just tell you this, guys. Canada doesn't qualify for the Olympics without Dylan Brooks. Canada doesn't medal without Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was not the best player on the team. That's obviously Gildress Alexander. Mm -hmm. There was not a more important player on that roster than that dude. And every night it started with the crowd booing him, and every (laughs) night it ended with them cheering MVP. And I'll just tell you this. Um little inside baseball behind the curtain. So on the way from the court to the locker room is the mix zone, the flash zone. They have to stop there for an interview. Mm-hmm. And after the Spain game, I'm waiting for RJ to come too to get the both of them. And I just kind of put the mic aside. I just looked at him and I just said, hey, man. I said, there's no chair in the press box, but I just want to let you know you're a motherfucker. <laughs> he looked right at me right dead in my face and he said you're goddamn right i am i love that oh, so, so awesome. much or i'm like yeah dude like i wish you played for the vikings <laughs> I wish you were a pass rusher or a linebacker uh, viking needs a lot more than dylan brooks to save themselves right now but we can get uh, into that a different time <laughs> uh, speaking of more you know dogs in the in this tournament that have like chips on their shoulder uh a person that has a presence in canada basketball but not actually for canada um, Dennis Schroeder, he had an amazing tournament. He got MVP, he won gold with Germany, and now he's signed with the Raptors. What do you think this means for his? Yeah, what do you think this means for his future in the NBA with the Toronto Raptors? I don't know. I I, re- I honestly don't know because what are what are the Raptors? Where are the Raptors going? To me, the Raptors are on the long road to nowhere. Um, 
I think it'll help to have Schroeder there. Um, I guess, you know, he's who's better, him or Van Vliet? Around the same, maybe? Yeah. They offer different things. They offer different things. Um, Dennis Schroeder is not going to, and this has nothing to do with him. It has to do with where this the Raptors franchise is. Um, what's going to be different next year in Toronto? That's my question, I guess. Yeah, that that is a fair question. What about in terms of the starting lineup? Do you think this, because I know there was a debate online about whether or not you instantly put him in or whether you keep someone like Gary in just for continuity aspects. Do you think this secured him a starting lineup spot? Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I, like you, it's a new head coach. It's a new regime. Um, I think he's going to end up starting a pile of games just because you look at that roster and you say to yourself, okay, so what is the starting five right now? Uh, yeah, was uh, probably in the mix for a bunch of them because who else is it going to be? Yeah, the other solution would be Scotty at the point, which we've seen a bit throughout his career, and it doesn't necessarily look like that should be a full-time now, option. How long is that going to last? For? Right. Yeah, they tried it last season. It didn't last very long. No. Yeah. But what are the Raptors trying to do this season is my question. Rash, that is a million-dollar question we've been question. asked. No, it's probably a billion-dollar question. <laughs> they'll be like, you know, like it's, if it's a $4 billion franchise valuation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's I fair. Know. I want to I wanna stick to a bit of roster building. And you kind of mentioned this earlier, how like a lot of the conversation around Team Canada coming in was who wasn't going to be there. Well, now you see what they could do with the team that was there. They obviously meddled, and now there's a lot of speculation surrounding this team at the Olympics. And having covering this team up close, I'm curious to think what your thoughts are on this team. Is it more of a run-it-back approach with these guys? Or, like, obviously, names like Wiggins, like you have Jamal Murray, obviously. Even fringe guys, like your Shaden Sharp, Benedict Matherin, other guys. Like I know uh, during training camp, Leonard Millard was there just hanging out just so he could be around these guys. So a lot of names could be in contention, but there's obviously this crew that accomplished what they did. So I'm curious what you think about that in the roster moving into the Olympics. I think there are a bunch of pieces that could easily be moved out and really wouldn't affect things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Trey Bell Haynes and Kyle Alexander and Philip Scrub. Um, there's somebody else I'm missing. Melvin Edgem. Yeah, I, I actually... I, I think there's a huge role in the, oh uh, Zach Eady right I, I think there's a huge role in there for Melvin Edgem um, that dude is the coach on the bench he is yeah. an absolute leader he's a guy who can yell at Nikhil or RJ about where they should be and they actually listen mm. um, I don't know if there will be a spot for him but I think there there can be a spot for him but the other four guys are interchangeable look and so you know you're let's just say those four are out and you bring in Murray, Matherin, Sharp. I, I would love to see Kevin Pangos on this team Yeah, um, with his FIBA experience. Oh, this is great. Guess what? They need bigs. Yeah. They absolutely need bigs and they don't grow on trees. And I don't know where they're going to find them. Like I I, I had forgotten he was alive. Tristan Thompson just signed with Cassidy <laughs> today. And I'm like, oh, right. Uh, happy 2016, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think they need two more legit bigs. And I don't know where the two legit bigs come from. Yeah. And I think if they want to meddle in Paris, you know, you, you look at that Serbia team. Add Nikola Jokic to an already big front court. What then? 
you know? Yeah. I feel like that's going to uh, be the story of, like, the Olympics. Like, North America in general, just, like, bigs just aren't there. You obviously have players that can play for Team USA, potentially, like your Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, who are talented, but not necessarily the biggest guys out there. And if you have, like, your Jokic's playing... Wemby adds to France, Giannis with Greece. So I feel like that's just going to be such a pivotal part. And you're right, Arash, that like... Greece even gets in. Yeah, that's true. But like Canada, like where do they fall in that? Like you said, Zach Eady is a guy we saw in spurts. He just doesn't have the mobility to stay out there most nights. And there doesn't seem to be another big in the pipeline. So there's a lot of questions surrounding that. And that could make or break this tournament for Canada. Yeah, it could. It could. Um, I mean, the good news is they have a long way to go before... They have to make that decision, but um, it, I, I'm really intrigued to see what the roster construction looks like. Like, I'll be honest, um, I was pretty surprised Corey Joseph wasn't in that mix. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm interested to see what goes into the decision making. Um, who's going to be in the mix? You know, like to me. A guy like Chris Boucher is an intriguing FIBA prospect. That's a good point. Like, I, I always, look, Carmelo had a decorated career, wonderful, um, accomplished, all those things. To me, Carmelo Anthony is the prototypical FIBA player. Um, but, of course, he's not going to go play in FIBA because there's 250 million reasons why he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just kind of... I just kind of wonder what's going to go into all this. We talk about roster constructions with Canada. I want to flip it to the other side in the United States because we saw the second that Canada beat the United States that you saw this break glass in case of emergency with LeBron James saying, I'm committing and everyone... No, 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 no. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> it's not because Canada beat them. It's because they didn't meddle. Yeah. Like, uh, like dead serious. Dead serious. You go ask 100 of the best American NBA players who the Americans lost to in the semifinals. How many do you think know it's Germany? I'm going to probably I'll set the over-under at six and a half out of 100. <laughs> <laughs> like, would they have to get up from hitting the bong? Or would they have to, like, <laughs> eat the bottle of Grey Goose to, to, to find out that there was an actual World Champion, World Cup happening? Um, look, it, it's really interesting, guys, because in the rest of the world, the World Cup's a big deal. Yeah. Like, it's a huge deal to these countries. In North America, none of us give a shit until the Olympics roll around. So it's just a different deal. LeBron's not going to give up seven weeks of his summer. Jimmy's, Jimmy's out being Francis Tiafo's ball boy in yeah. New York. He's not going to go... Kick it in at the Shangri-La in Manila for six weeks straight? You out of your mind? now, nah, man. They'll show up at the Olympics where it matters. They'll do their thing. Why do you and, think that uh, is, though? The is way it, they go. Is it because the NBA is in North America, so they don't have to care about the World Cup versus... But there's leagues in Europe and in Asia, too, but they seem to care about this World Cup so much more. Why do you think that is? Because we just never grew up with it. Yeah, fair. Like, the Olympics are a big deal because the Olympics are a big deal. Because it first started with a dream team and, you know, everybody played and everybody wanted to be part of it. And that continued along the generations. You know, the whole Redeem Team story, who's played on that team? Kobe, LeBron, Carmelo, Chris Paul. Like, 
It's it's the most exclusive club in the club. So everybody wants to be a part of it. Um, nobody in America is interested in the World Cup. What do you what do you think about the whole I guess like what Jake was asking earlier, like right after this happened where they didn't meddle, you see these report comes out like it, I don't want to say it's calculated, but like personally, I thought it was a little corny, like Team USA talking about we're going to assemble the Avengers here to go back to the Olympics and show them that we really are the best in the world. Like, I feel like if you have LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, no duh, you're supposed to win this tournament. I don't see it as something you deserve a pat on the back for. So I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on this Team USA kind of like showing a bit of that bravado, like, oh, we're coming. I think that if Canada was in the exact same spot and did the exact same thing, we'd be like, that's right, guys. <laughs> that's what we're all about. Yeah, fair. I guess you're not wrong. I absolutely would be public. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Have Canada dominated the basketball world forever, though? <laughs> it's a little bit different, no? I just think that when push comes to shove on this continent, all anybody cares about is winning gold at the Olympics. You're right. Canada win the next three World Cups. And it would be an amazing achievement. And, you know, in the world basketball stratosphere, it would be tremendous. But if they win silver at the Olympics, what does that mean even domestically? Are we going to be like, yeah, well, we won the World Cup, though. We we, we beat Bobby Portis. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's fast forward a little bit to took, the took, took overtime to beat nine dudes. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Hey, you beat them. You beat them. I'll beat take him. it. Beat them. Beat them. Yeah. I guess fast forwarding to the Olympics now, and we talked a little bit about the the whole center, just the construction with the rosters for centers for Canada. Looking past that, with this roster, with your additions, with your Andrew Wiggins possibly coming in and playing as well, what do you think are the legitimate chances of actually getting on that podium in Paris? Remarkably high. You, um, you think even with all the additions to the other international teams? Sure. Sure. Yo, man, Jamal Murray's a top 10, 12 player in the world. Especially when the games matter. Yeah. Then you have him and you have him and Shea as your backcourt. Um I I would think that Canada is a top three country in the world how much of this how much of this difference do you think comes from Jordy Fernandez coming in there and taking over this team from Nick Nurse as well because I said on this podcast that I'm not sure that this team responds as well with Nick Nurse as coach versus Jordy because they seem to really love what Jordy was putting out for that team so I'm curious to get your thoughts on that perspective Jordy on the first day of training camp told the guys if we don't have a defensive first mindset it's going to be a disservice to all of us and what Jordy got was buy-in Jordy got buy-in from everybody in different roles to do different things. And in a six-week compressed environment, dudes were willing to do it because they were giving up six weeks of their summer. They actually give a shit about one another. They wanted to win. This meant something to them. They talked about the Olympics just being this far-fetched idea and far-fetched dream. Um, Jordy's an emotional guy. He's a passionate guy willing to lay into them. I think that mattered a little bit. But I think more than anything else was you had guys not caring about me, not caring about mine. 
And that was one of the most incredible things to see. A bunch of NBA guys who were fully in on We Not Me. And I don't know when the last time I've seen that among a group of professional athletes the way the way we did in this World Cup. You could argue that that was actually the Achilles heel of the American team is that a lot of it was me instead of we. You know, there were a lot of disappointing performances. You don't agree, Arash? Like no. Brandon, Brandon Ingram. I, I want to hear why you don't agree. Um, we get in like we get into narratives really easily. Um, I think that we have to remember. Yeah, Brandon Ingram didn't give a shit. Sure, but that USA team was literally sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, three weeks didn't even show up to the arena. Anthony Edwards arrived at the last minute with like a hoodie on. Steve Kerr was like isolating himself from everybody else. I went over to chat with him. He gave me the elbow. He's like, I, I can't even, I don't even want to get anybody sick because it's going through our team. Um, and they push, you know, they push Canada to OT in the bronze medal game and they lost by a bucket to Germany with, with a roster that's got how much FIBA experience. Um, so I just think that, uh, like, the USA is really, really good. And they're going to be really good because the team they're going to bring is not this. Like they brought a, they didn't even bring their JV team. They brought the intramural <laughs> champions from campus. Yeah, I think it just speaks to like, I think Dan mentioned this earlier, how different the FIBA game is. I was listening to a different podcast earlier where they talked about like guys like Jalen Brunson and Jaron Jackson Jr. in the scrimmages against other NBA players did fantastic. You throw them in the FIBA game and then all of a sudden the game just changes completely. And I think that's something that's really important to understand of what the Canadians just went through, that a lot of them didn't have as much FIBA experience, and going through this is going to prepare them so much for Paris. Absolutely. Well, Arash, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being on here with us and getting your amazing insights on the FIBA World Cup, and uh, hopefully we can talk basketball soon with you. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you, Arash. Thanks, Arash. Yeah, it's just like you said, Dan, uh, getting a frontline perspective I think was awesome from Arash. And you're right. Like, you had that point about Team USA and what you thought, like, you saw from them was a bit of hubris. And But from our perspective, it's right, though. We saw guys who didn't seem like they were all completely there not playing together. But it's great to have a guy who is there inside perspective to remind us, hey, Team USA was sick. I kind of forgot three guys that didn't play for this team yeah. who probably would have been contributing if it weren't for an illness. So the fact that he was there to give that perspective is why it's important to have media members there, people who are actually involved in this thing and on the front lines and not just at home. I know like Dan Schulman and Alvin Williams did a great job with the broadcast oh, here, yeah. but having a guy like Arash was so important to be there to be able to cover this team in person. Yeah. And I think that speaks to, there's a bit of a conversation that started post-FIBA World Cup that there needs to be more investment to put in covering this national team, especially now that they're legitimate. On the men's side, the women's side has been pretty good for a while, but the men's side is like showing legitimacy, obviously, after this run. So there, I, I'm in that uh, kind of that circle as well that think this team deserves a bit more media coverage. And Arash did an insane job. Sportsland did an insane job with, with the way they did cover it. It's but a like, long grind, man. Yeah, just imagine how many awesome. more stories you could have gotten if there was a couple more people there to actually get this behind the scenes, people who have relationships. Arash can only do so much and talk yeah. to so many people, and you saw all the perspective you got from one person. So it just adds so much more context. That's so important. 
Was Arash the only Canadian reporter there? I'm pretty sure he was, right? Yeah, because Sportsnet had the rights to it. Yeah. So they they had. Right. He was the only field reporter there. I don't think anyone from the Canadian press or anything was there. Again, I'm, I may be totally wrong, but either way, our the only lens, coverage we saw yeah, was Arash. Our yeah. lens was Sportsnet's broadcast yeah. and analysis. You saw uh, Daniel Michaud, Michael Grange, mm-hmm. and uh, Sherman Hamilton talking and doing their breakdown. You had the broadcast, which was Dan Schulman and Alvin Williams, and then Arash was the only one there in terms of like actual video broadcast, mm-hmm. talking, getting stories out, talking, doing interviews. So he was our voice. And we're blessed to have gotten this on this podcast. Like, 100%. As our 100%. first big guest. Shout out David Canadian, and everything like that. Yeah, but yeah. as the big one in the media, just to come off the freshest legs of like the biggest run of Canadian basketball. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Next uh, FIBA World Cup, you know, the Dream Team podcast is available if you need more reporters to cover it. <laughs> yeah, you want us so to come to Paris. Also, I'm not going to repeat the Rash Dylan Brooks conversation, but that was so freaking awesome. Oh, just them so having cool. that moment after. That's, that, so that's cool. a quotable meme if yeah. I've ever it's seen one. Cool. That, yeah. that needs to be shared with the world. Yeah, <laughs> needs to I can just that. see a graphic on like Bleacher Report just being like, Reporter says to Dylan Brooks, you are a MFer, and Dylan Brooks being like, I am that guy. Yeah, I am. That <laughs> yeah, is, that's. Oh. Well, I just saw the, a light I'm making the graphic right <laughs> in now. Dan's <laughs> eyes right there. Yeah. Really happy to have him on there. So thank you, Rash, for joining us. Spencer did have to leave. So we were going to draft today, but I don't think we are going to do that this week. I think we're going to keep this light, easy, and breezy and keep a rash as our main topic of today. So I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Yeah. How are you all feeling about that? I feel great. It's a really great episode. Good. So let's wrap this thing up. If you liked what you heard, of course, find Arash Madani on Twitter. You know his name. If you want to follow us, however, you can find us at the dream underscore team pod on Twitter. Not X. I will not call it that still. Fight a wall. As well, you can follow me at Jake underscore Schultz six and our Instagram at dream underscore team underscore pod and like, subscribe, all that stuff. Follow us, Apple, Spotify. You know your thing. Just follow us. Yeah, keep showing us love. We'll talk to you about our small forward draft next time. Recap it when we get into the next draft. That's at Zulfi underscore Shake, Z-U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H. On Twitter, I'm with Jake Elon Musk. Take that. Yeah, I am also with Jake. I will never call it X. It is always Twitter. And We're you can a Twitter follow- pod here. We're a Twitter pod. And you can follow me at Rafters Vision on Twitter. And Thanks follow, for listening. And follow Spencer as well. On yeah, follow Twitter. Spencer. Floss Talk Sports. Talk Sports. Talk Sports. Yeah. Um, also, leave us a review. We haven't had one in a while. Yeah. Yes, please. So, Let us know what you think. Yeah. I don't know. It wraps up for this episode. Thanks for joining. And Dan, you're, you're an MF. You're an, what did he say again? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, isn't he a goddamn right or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, you're goddamn, goddamn right. <laughs> you're goddamn right I am. Bye, guys. Shout out to Rash. Peace. Yeah.